Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. How would Harry Carey have called the eighth inning of game six of the NLCS with the Marlins with the fan interference? The pitch, foul ball down the left field line. Moses Alou leads. A fan got in the way. Oh, my God. Oh, my God! Uh, yeah, well, that, that's Will Ferrell doing his, uh, his it's pretty funny Harry Carey impression. But here's a, an actual clip from, from the actual broadcast that infamous night. There you see it again. The fan, there's a couple fans in there reaching out there to try to catch the ball. That's just a little kid right there. You can't really fall, can't really fall to any of them, really. But here in Wrigley, when the opposing team hits a home run, they throw the ball back onto the field. I'm surprised someone hasn't thrown that fan onto the field. All right. So this is a pretty infamous moment in sports. 2003 wasn't that long ago, but in some ways it seems like a million years ago. Uh, so this is when Steve Bartman became famous, or infamous, I guess, as you would say. Now, what fascinates me about the Chicago Cubs, right? I mean, it's, it's the history of the team, how far back it goes, how passionate fans are about the team, and what a story it was last year when they finally broke that curse and won the World Series. In 2003, the Cubs were pretty good, and it looked as though they were going to go to the World Series. Now, I don't know if they would have beat the Yankees that year. I mean, Florida ended up beating the Yankees that year in the World Series. But the Cubs were up three games to two and up three nothing late in game six. And it looked as though they were going to the World Series. Maybe the curse would be broken. And along comes Steve Bartman. Now, it wasn't Steve Bartman's fault that the Cubs blew the lead. It wasn't Steve Bartman's fault that the Cubs lost game seven. In fact, what's, what's funny about that game is after the infamous Bartman incident, uh, the Cubs uh, shortstop botched what would have been a pretty simple double play. But Steve Bartman became a, an easy scapegoat. So he was sitting along the, uh, the, I guess it would be the third base wall. And the uh, ball was going foul. And a lot of fans stood up to try to catch the foul ball. That's what fans at baseball games do. Uh, outfielder Moises Alou, though he was running to the wall. And he probably would have caught the ball had it not gone off Steve Bartman's hand. So the out was missed. The game fell apart on the Cubs. And Steve Bartman became the scapegoat. And his, his image was, was everywhere. This guy with the, the round glasses, the ball cap, the turtleneck, the earphone. I mean, he was carrying a Walkman. <laughs> Tells you how long ago this was. This was before Facebook and YouTube and all of that. But he basically had to go into hiding. He was escorted out of the stadium. And all these years, never made, made any kind of public appearance. Never came forward to tell his side of the story. Never came forward to cash in on some of the many offers to him that were there. Uh, to come speak or sign autographs or do whatever. And by the way, the guy that ended up catching the ball sold it for $100,000. That ball was later blown up by a sports bar in Chicago. So, 
Now that the Cubs have won the World Series, the curse is broken, I guess all is forgiven. The Cubs announced yesterday that they are going to give Steve Bartman a World Series ring with his name engraved on it and everything. Uh, Bartman put out a statement expressing his gratitude, but I don't think it's likely we'll, we'll still, at this point now, ever see him in public. And would we even recognize him at this point? Uh, it's quite a fascinating story. I wanted to get into it here with uh, Glenn Stout. Uh, he's been on with us before. He's the author of uh, several books uh, related to uh, baseball, uh, including The Cubs, The Complete Story of Chicago Cubs Baseball. Also the author of The Selling of the Babe. Glenn, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks very much. Is the Steve Bartman incident and the, the whole episode it became, do you think it would have happened with any other team in any other city? Was it something about the Cubs? Well, I think baseball is prepared to anoint goats, yeah. particularly when a comeback seems to thwart a team that seems destined to win, particularly one that uh, has waited a long time to win. I mean, if you go back to 1986, it was Bill Buckner with the Red Sox. Right, yeah. You know, and uh, I think one of the great anecdotes is that apparently when, when Buckner saw what happened in 2003, he started screaming, I'm off the hook, I'm <laughs> off the hook. Um, you know, because baseball likes to have that guy that you can blame, and the Cubs were kind of in the same position as the Red Sox. You needed to have that guy or that thing to blame. And Steve Bartman, I think, for a variety of reasons, the way he looked, his kind of funny name, all that stuff, it just came together in kind of a perfect storm that, unfortunately, made this guy's life miserable. It really did. And, I mean, I, it's, it's good. I, I, I like people who are passionate about sports and love their teams and hate their rivals. And, and I, I, I love all of that. But when it, it goes over the top like this, where guys, like, like in legitimately in fear for his life, Somewhere we've crossed the line then. Yeah, it was a little ridiculous, and I love the fact that you brought up the, you brought up the point that this is before Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, and one can imagine how horrible it would be today oh, yeah. with yeah. something like that. And, and through it all, I think kind of like the most impressive thing is that Bartman remained uh, classy and dignified. He didn't yeah. try to cash in on it. He just tried to live a quiet life. Um, and I think, you know, in today's environment, somebody probably would try to cash in on it and, uh, you know, take advantage of it. I mean, Bill Buckner ended up selling, you know, real estate in a development called Fenway, but, uh, at least that's what I heard. But Steve Bartman didn't. He just tried to remain, live a quiet life. And there's something, you know, really, uh, uh, admirable about that, particularly in this, in today's climate. Yeah, I think he can hold his head high. Uh, and I think looking back, I mean, sure, fans were frustrated at the time. Clearly, Moises Alou was frustrated at the time. Um, but, I mean, any of us in that position, the ball's coming at you. That's what you hope for when you're at a baseball game. And, and when you look at the replay, how many other people were standing up and holding their hands out? Um, then yeah, I think it'd really be know, hard the to Marlins blame. Scored, the Marlins scored eight runs that inning, <laughs> all of them after the Bartman play. There were lots of opportunities for the Cubs to get out of that inning. There were lots of opportunities the following game where the Cubs led 5-3 to three for the Cubs to win that game. So to assign all this to Bartman, uh, you know, it made good copy at the time, and it was a nice punchline, but it really didn't have a whole lot to do with reality. But then baseball 
generally speaking, doesn't have a whole lot to do with reality. It's a game of myths and, uh, and the way we relate to them. And for whatever reason, that is what people chose to, to relate that game to. Well, especially when it comes to the curse. Um, like, I mean, a, a lot of people that cheer for, for teams that, that suck, they realize that our teams have bad management. We're, we're picking bad players. <laughs> we're, we're just a bad team. Um, but, I, you know, in Chicago, it became a different kind of myth where it seemed like people genuinely believed that this team was cursed. Well, I mean, curses, uh, you know, there was the, the, the alleged, you know, curse of the Bambino in Boston, which is, you know, thoroughly historically incorrect, but nonetheless was something people could seize on. It's a lot easier to believe in something like a curse, which is a nice hook, but which essentially ignores history, than it is to believe in the actual facts. You know, the Cubs didn't win for as long as they didn't win because they really weren't that good. Uh, most of the time, even the few times they made it into the playoffs or looked like they were going to win the pennant, they really weren't that good. And, you know, even if you go back to the 2003 team, it was a good team. It wasn't a great team. That's not a team that was going to stand for the ages. Uh, it was a good team that was having a great year. And it's, you know, in, in that context, it's, it's a lot easier to believe in a curse than it is to face the, the reality of the fact that they just really weren't that great of a team. They were a very good team, but they weren't a great team. Yeah, and you got to. I mean, I wonder if the players almost believe that because you're right. I mean, so much happened after the Bartman incident, but it's almost like it got in everybody's head. It got in the players' heads almost. It seemed right. It does get in their heads. I mean, I know when the Red Sox, uh, you know, finally, uh, you know, won in 2004. By then, the whole curse of the Bambino had kind of been debunked, and I had a little bit to do with that, and that really helped them. That there was a counter argument to this supposed magical. Uh, event that supposedly made bad things happen to good people. And, you know, they were kind of relieved of that in advance of finally winning. Uh, you know, and that's a really, really important thing because they get tired of being asked the questions and they get tired of having the questions put in their head because we all know that sports is all about concentration and focus and you don't want anything to detract from that. So in terms of the gesture this week, I mean, for Steve Bartman, I'm sure he wishes none of this had ever happened. I don't know that it undo, undoes, you know, the last 14 years of his life. But it is a nice gesture. And, and the statement that Steve Bartman put out, I, I thought was pretty classy, too. Yeah, it, it totally is. I mean, he was, uh, you know, very graceful and very dignified. And, you know, unlike a lot of people... Uh, you will never see Steve Bartman, including a lot of ex-players, you will never see Steve Bartman auction off this ring no. or anyone in his family do so. You know, um, he's going to accept this with the appropriate uh, level of humility uh, that I think it requires. And I think, you know, he's a very, very admirable person. I don't think any of us would have been as graceful during all this as he has been. It would have been very, very easy for this guy to become either bitter or angry or, or just, you know, classless. And, you know, he just sat back, lived his life, continued to be a Cubs fan, and stayed out of the limelight. If people wanted to make a big thing about it, that was them. They had to do that. It really didn't have anything to do with him. And I think that attitude... Um, 
did a lot to like kind of like close the circle when they when they gave him the ring. I, I haven't heard anybody say, "Oh, he didn't deserve that. That's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Why is he being rewarded?" No, he took it on the chin, and he took everything they could uh, you know they could throw at him, and he never fed that back. You know, he never gave people more reasons to blame him or more reasons to to think that he was a bad guy. This was a good guy who got blamed for something that really he didn't have a whole lot to do with. He was a guy at a ball game. There's a foul ball. He reached up and tried to catch it. Yeah, and that was it. Uh, and as far as we know, I mean, he, he stayed in Chicago. I mean, it would have been oh, yeah. easy for, to, for him to just get the hell away from there, but he, he stayed put. He, you know, like you say, remained a, a fan of the team. Right, stood up and faced the music. He never gave an excuse. Uh, he never, you know, blamed anybody. He just took it. And, you know, there's, there's a, if there's a lesson that comes out of sports, it's behaving admirably when things go wrong and more so than a lot of players on the field that day <laughs> moises lou in particular who uh you know in later years kind of blamed bartman and went back and forth whether he could have caught the ball or whether he couldn't have or some cubs players who thought that they were wronged you know like i said they went and what the marlins went ahead and scored eight runs that game that wasn't steve bartman's fault no, no, it certainly wasn't. Uh, but it is quite a story <laughs> for, for so many reasons, isn't it, though? I mean, uh, we'll, we'll remember this guy's name for a very long time still. Well, exactly. And, and I think now, you know, there's kind of a, uh, a happier ending to that story yeah. uh, than there would have been before. And that's due not so much to the Cubs' gesture, but due to the fact that Steve Bartman didn't allow it to consume his life. He, he controlled the narrative by not allowing it to become a sad story. Yeah, great point. Uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, Glenn, folks can, uh, you're on Twitter as well, I believe. Uh, Glenn with two N's, at Glenn Stout. Uh, folks can find out more about some of your work. Uh, great having you with us here. Welcome to the, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks very much. Take I care, Glenn. It. All right, uh, that's Glenn Stout, uh, author of uh, several books, at glennstout.net as well. Should mention that. Um, as mentioned, uh, author of The Selling of the Babe, the deal that changed baseball and created a legend. Uh, also written about the Chicago Cubs as well. The book, uh, The Cubs, the complete story of Chicago Cubs baseball. So uh, we appreciate his input on this. Um, so, well, let's take a break. I want to come back. We'll talk a bit more about this. I want to read some of what Steve Barman said in his statement yesterday, which I, I think speaks to, as Glenn said and articulated very well, you know, his, his class and his grace through all of this in a situation that, that could have, and maybe in some ways did destroy his life, certainly changed his life forever. But how he's handled this, uh, I, I think is a lesson. And, you know, he can hold his head high. I think a lot of people who reacted at the time probably feel ashamed of how they acted. I don't think he's got anything to be ashamed about. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.